Chapter 20, Inner Demons Where the hell is Dorian? Nathan asked with a juvenile smirk. Liam wondered the same. In the rare storm, Dorian's prolonged absence seemed ominous, not that the angel couldn't take care of himself. Rains occurred less than a handful of times a year, and from the city it had always seemed less dramatic. The charcoal clouds rolled in, prematurely turning the day to dark, trickling rain at first and then gushing the downpour. The tavern's roof leaked, but the patrons paid it no mind. Buckets caught the larger breaches, dripping water, creating a sporadic tin rhythm. It took Liam longer to adjust to the tobacco smoke and the humidity. For the most part, all sat quiet. Nathan gazed at the lanterns along the wooden wall. Karis sipped her ale, and Liam tried not to make it obvious that his eyes followed Trish wherever she went. He did a poor job. She's a pretty girl, she is, Nathan said. Karis shot Nathan a glance. It's true, he continued. A boy finds a pretty girl attractive. Is that so wrong? It's not that, Kara said. Just allow him some dignity, that's all. It's okay, Liam said, though he was thankful for Karis's defensiveness on his part. She is pretty, but it's not like I should care. What do you mean? Nathan asked. The war with Jacob and all, Liam said. I'm not going to have time for any distractions. I won't deny that there's work to be done, Nathan said. But you've done more than your share. No one would blame you if you went your own way. To what end, though? asked Liam. You'll be off fighting wars and I'll be down here, wherever, doing nothing. There's work to be done. Nathan gave Liam a look of fascination. I think I know what you're getting at. There are a lot of folks who don't understand it. They think they can go about life, making money, doing things their own way, and dying happy. But the man who dies rich still dies. And then what of his riches? I'm not bashing wealth. I'm just saying that there's more to life. Though Nathan is right, Kara said, you're no longer under any obligations. Liam took a sip of his ale, thinking on Nathan's words. Perhaps that was what Liam had meant to articulate all along. It felt somehow wrong to abandon them, but now that things were coming together, weariness crept on him, and he found himself wishing it was all over. In fact, it occurred to him that up to this point he had given all of his energy to this mission with little regard for his own interests or desires. He was fully entitled to give up, and honestly, how important was he in a war between gods? However, he knew he should see it through. What was it Fareth once said? All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing? Likely he quoted one of his old philosophers. It's not selfish to want something for yourself, said Karis. Not after all you've done. Do you know what you want? asked Nathan. I think I do, said Liam. I want to find what it means to be normal. Oddly enough, said Nathan, normal can mean different things to different people. I know, Liam said. Before I left the city, it was all I ever knew, yet it never felt normal to be me. It was like I didn't fit in. My family was apathetic towards me, except Elijah, of course. I have friends, but they're so different. 
Is this an improvement to you? Asked Karis, looking around the leaky tavern. After 17 years in the city, I never felt used to it. I'm getting used to this out here. You should come as far as Mir, said Karis. I think you'd like it there. I don't want to stay with you anyway, Liam said. For as long as it makes sense, I, I may go with you in your pursuit of Jacob, but when it's all said and done, maybe I'll just stay in the Outlands. There was a movement next to Liam, and a wet Dorian sat next to him in the booth, causing Liam to scoot in surprise, the water soaking the seat of his pants. Where the devil did you come from? asked Nathan. Better yet, where have you been? Don't worry, Dorian said to Liam. These pants are quick drying, said so on the tag. You took your time shopping, said Nathan. Call it what you will, said Dorian with a smile. You went to your zero, said Karis. Dorian grew serious. I had to. I had to see if it was of any use. I thought maybe if I could lure Jacob there, I could bind him. It's not that simple. There was something unsettling about the place, like the whole earth is coming alive. I should have known it'd be this way again. The earth is coming alive. This is certainly the worst storm I've seen in some time, said Nathan. It's not just that, said Dorian. The old ways are returning. I can even see it in Liam here. You should see him shoot. All eyes went to Liam. I'm pretty good, I guess. Oliver said he shot Raven in the arm, Karis said. And I saw him give Raven a pretty good left hook. Wait, said Liam. Are you saying that I can do magic? His prior conversation with Dorian came to mind. Not really, said Dorian. But we aren't the first fallen spirits, and our predecessor surely had progeny and passed along some power. Seems to come to life in times like these. But I doubt I'm the descendant of one of them, Liam said. Sure you are, said Nathan. How do you think the great prophet came by his power? That was not a God-given prophecy, he had. No, he divined something unexpected. Whatever you have is small, far removed from the greatness of even the prophet, much less whoever he inherited it from, but you likely have something nonetheless. Well, said Dorian, we've made old friends again quick enough, and we have a lot of catching up to do. Soon, everyone's piece of the story had been told. What surprised Liam was Nathan's part in which the city had opened its doors once after closing them. It was after the fall, but prior to the front lines reaching the island, two groups were exiled for supposed religious differences. In reality, most had been associated with their respective religion and culture only. After all, many had fled the city on the promise of something external to their native religion. However, it did little good that they were two very different cultures, and after the war, Nathan found them quarreling amongst each other. With the aid of the Leviathan, we gave them something else to believe in, Nathan said. And after that, he traveled in the west, a nomad among the towns, playing the drunk but always on the lookout for information. Apparently, he derived his income from gambling. Liam told of the prophet in the city, Karis told of Oliver and Mir. Dorian spoke of his tenure in the South. More ale was had, stories were told, and Liam tired. Karis must have noticed it, for though they all spoke lively as ever, she was the first to suggest sleep. We have a long journey, and we should get some rest, she said. 
Weather permitting, we leave at first light and ride north. It took some time, but eventually her advice was followed and everyone found themselves in their beds. By the morning, the storm had gone, leaving a muddy and pocked terrain. They took a quick breakfast, paid for their rooms, and retrieved for their camels from the stables. As they readied their mounts, Karis whispered into each camel's ear, her words too quiet to distinguish, but apparent in their reassurance of the beast. I have always preferred a good horse to a camel, Nathan said. He's only goading, Karis, Dorian said to Liam in a whisper. Fine, said Karis, her tone matching Nathan's sarcasm. You bring your horse, we'll see who makes it to Mir faster. That shit town, Nathan said. I don't know if I could get a so noble a creature as a horse to even trot towards it. Karis laughed and Dorian packed as she bantered with Nathan. Once saddled, the jocularity ceased and they rode into the dying desert. For the next two days, the terrain moved from a flat plain to rocky hills and then back to flat again. It would turn from orange-red rock to brown and gray sand. Liam learned much along the way. So, you're a therianthrope? He had asked Nathan. No, said Nathan. Nothing of the sort. You're aware hyena priest was nothing like me. I can take on different shapes at will. Some take more time and practice than others. A tiger is my preferred shape. Agile, large, fast, intimidating, beautiful, and not to mention a creation of my own. Liam could see the likeness from Nathan's shaggy, orange-red hair. You should see my Dorian impression, Nathan joked. You created the tiger? Didn't the eternal one create everything? Not necessarily, Nathan shifted in his saddle. He has commissioned his created to be creators as well. Childbearing isn't some magical process. It's a biological event. The cosmos is not idle. We have our mandates to be stewards, to create, to serve, to function. At the foundations of this very planet, some of the celestial beings gifted the eternal one their creations. Think of it as a housewarming gift. They went on to talk about other things, a welcome distraction from the blinding sun and heat. Liam tried not to ask too many questions, but he wanted to know so much. His inquisitiveness did not seem to bother Nathan or the others who rode nearby. Occasionally, Dorian and Carrots would strike up a conversation like old friends reminiscing. What struck him most was the way they treated him. These were not the pompous attitudes he'd expected from immortal angels. They were respectful and understanding. They really listened to him and took the time to answer his questions. Yet he feared that it was all contrived, a small kindness. They did not seem condescending, but long experience within different parents and Novum's clergy had made Liam suspicious. The best part was that traveling with them meant that he was well protected from danger. He did not have to worry about the elements, raven, or starvation. They all had to be conservative with food and water, but at least he knew that they would not let him die of thirst. That was enough reason to continue on. How many days has it been without a pint? asked Nathan. Next town, I say we stop in for at least one, if not two. And Liam thought he heard him rumble, or three or five. See here, a man after my own heart, said Dorian. He was never as mirthful as Nathan, but in the company of the other two angels, Dorian was less morose. He was preoccupied, almost distant, but it appeared more manageable when they were around.
Now this is a shit town, Nathan said as they entered Gregon, a town Liam had previously bypassed on his flight south. What did the sign say? Population 372? Well, I'd like to think one in 372 people make decent ale. Maybe we'll have some luck. From the outside, the Gregon Tavern and Inn seemed as uninspired as its name. Nathan, Dorian, and Karis led the way and Liam followed behind, always taking in the surroundings. Even after almost a month in the desert, so much remained new to him. They walked into the tavern, the smoke immediately assaulting Liam's senses. He began to look for an empty table, but it was crowded with dirty townspeople. Liam's three companions drew their swords. The metal rang as each of them unsheathed their blades. Nathan no longer looked merry, but fierce and let out a quiet growl. As Liam looked for the danger, he drew his own sword, awkwardly holding it at a room full of drunk men and one woman, feet propped up on a nearby table. Dorian stood at the head, steel-eyed, pointing his sword at her. The unsettled patron's eyes fell on the four new strangers and their drawn weapons. The room was silent. I'm tempted to fight all four of you just to see how I'd hold up, but I suppose I'd best surrender, said the woman. Her pants were tucked into her calf-length leather boots. She had straight dark hair, sand-colored skin, and a wry smile. What are you doing here, Calianera? Dorian asked. What business is it of yours? She asked, taking a casual sip of beer. You really should relax. Maybe sit down for a drink. You're scaring the patrons. Jacob returns. The morning star is at work, and you want to dispute whose business it is if you want to hang out here? Nathan asked. She sighed. Can't a girl relax? No, said Karis. Take it from me. Look, Calianera said. That stuff you're all talking about, I got out of it a while ago. I've been doing well for myself here, and I'd like to continue to do so. Move along, and I promise not to make any trouble. That's not going to happen, and you know it said Dorian. Kalinira looked around the tavern, all eyes on her. Fine, but if you won't sit and talk it over a drink, let's take it outside, she said, gesturing to the door. Dorian nodded. She's a wanted woman, he said to the tavern. By some authority in his voice, that seemed to be enough for the tavern's customers. The room came to life again, patrons doing their best to make a plain that they had no intention of interfering. They stepped into the dusty street. Liam blinking as his eyes readjusted to the light. As soon as Calianera walked out of the tavern, she tried to run, but Dorian and Nathan grabbed her arms. Afraid not, sweetheart, Nathan said with a smile, contrasting Dorian's serious disposition. Liam trailed behind as the men escorted her, puzzled by the situation. They were attracting attention, and Dorian seemed intent on finding somewhere less conspicuous. They ducked into his stable, Lucy was down the way among the other camels. Can we go someplace where it doesn't smell like shit? Kalinera asked. Dorian ignored the question. What are you up to? Seriously, she said. I got out. You don't just get out, said Karis. No, you don't, but the boss was a little preoccupied. You, said Nathan, all of your kind wouldn't want out. That was true at one time, her attitude calloused. You're telling the truth, Kara said with wonder. You'll have to get used to it, said Kalyanera. 
Can I go now? Why did you leave? What would you prefer? That I was back on Ellisonia fucking your Jipari's king to victory? She smirked, but then her expression grew serious. All I want is to go to Bronton. Doran exchanged a look with the others. Bronton's been sacked. What's your business there? Can't a demon have a change of heart? She asked. I've discovered love. A demon? Just who was this woman? Nathan laughed. That's a new one. It's not like that, she said. It's not romantic, really. The way things were before were just easier for me. I used people to do what needed to be done. I I see that I was wrong. And I've chosen the harder path to do the right thing. That's not how this works, said Dorian. You have a past, and going to Bronton is suspicious at best. I've done horrible things, I know, Kalinira said. Against you and your beloved planet, I know that I don't get a clean slate. But if no one is putting me on trial, I might as well try and be better going forward. Was that a look of compassion from Karis? Even Nathan froed his brow in careful consideration. Kalianira gave Dorian a cold look. Can you judge me, Dorian? Dorian dropped his gaze and sighed. No, I can't. These are strange days, Karis said. Strange indeed, said Kalianira. Strange that you three find me. This is not how I would have liked to have met. <laughs> I was shocked when I heard what had happened to all of you. Jacob's a real bastard for what he did. What's he up to now? We're still figuring it out, Dorian said. All we know is that Jacob is on the move again and that he has help from the Morning Star. I would think you know more, Callie and Nera. First off, call me Callie. You people butcher my name. And no, I don't know much more than that. Like I said, I, I got out a long time ago. What I can tell you is that this thing with the Morning Star has been in the works for a long time. Ever wonder why Jacob just stopped? That was the day he got desperate. He made a deal. With the Morning Star, said Karis. Yeah, continued Kalianira. They were already in league, but this pact was something bigger. I don't know what it was, but I know that Jacob had a little hope of breaching the mountains, much less getting into the city until the Morning Star offered it to him. All he wanted in return was patience. I honestly didn't think this was something Jacob had, but apparently it's about to pay off. This is bad news, said Dorian. We need to make haste. Go then, said Kalianira. Come with us, said Karis. I'm not sure that's a good idea, said Dorian. Kalianira ignored him and looked to Karis. Well, you lot do seem like a lot more fun. Care for a stop in Bronton? I have a feeling it'll be worth our while. Dorian gave the others a look of silent disapproval. They were on their way from Gregon soon after, Nathan complaining that he never did get his pint and Liam still somewhat confused about the whole situation. Kalianir rode a horse, which stuck out among their camels, but it didn't take long to warm up to their beast. After riding an hour, a wind picked up. Though somewhat refreshing, at first, in the hot desert, the gusts began to blow sand their way. It was subtle but bothersome, even after wrapping a cloth around his face. 
Liam rode up beside Calianera, hoping to talk to her and distract himself from the wind. Who are you? he asked. You heard them, she said with a cunning smile. The wind and sand apparently didn't bother her. I am, or I suppose I was, a demon. You weren't being figurative. Liam wiped the grit from his face, adjusting the kerchief over his mouth and nose. I'm afraid not, she said. And you are? Liam, he answered. I'm from the city. Oh, she said, raising her eyebrows. Things really are getting serious. What are you doing here? Liam asked. I could ask you the same, she said. You might say that I wasn't the right fit for my previous occupation. Liam shook his head. I mean, I thought you'd be more reluctant to tag along. Dorian hasn't given you a kind look since we left. She looked serious, as if pondering his question. I'm searching for something. Someone, rather. Being a lone woman in the Outlands isn't easy. My travels are constantly interrupted. Let's just say the potency of many a man was in question after I stopped them from taking advantage of me. She smiled. Liam suspected there was more to it, but he did not press. He liked her. The others were kind and respectful, but she was the first to treat him like an adult, and he liked that. Liam realized the others were having a serious discussion and listened in. I'm telling you, said Nathan, we should scout Bronton and see what exactly is going on there. Ever since Calianera had joined their company, the detour to Bronton had been a hot debate. Her presence was tenuous at best, Karis having come to her defense against Dorian, whose over-suspicion cast a certain tension among the group. It was agreed that Calianera could travel with them, but that if they decided against going to Bronton, she could abandon her destination and stay with them, or travel on her own again. Nathan had accepted Calianera by the fact that she was a proponent of stopping in Bronton. He seemed to lend credence to Calianera's suggestion that there might be something or someone of use there. However, her attempts to be specific had been mystifying at best. She said they would find someone with answers. There's no time, said Dorian. We go to Mir, and if Calianera wants to get this person herself and bring him to us, that's fine by me. Oliver seemed to think Raven was really up to something, said Karis. Ignoring it could cost us more than time in the long run. I wasn't really looking forward to going alone, Calianera said. We should all go. They looked puzzled at her adamant tone, but Dorian sighed. It appears I'm outvoted. Bronton it is.